In this episode of Wisdom Talks, John Barter outlines the three provisions of mindfulness. He explains why it is helpful as a way of appreciating, engaging and practicing mindfulness. We have been uh, reflecting certainly last week on the uh, various Buddhist trinities. Some of you may have been along for uh, that session. But just as a, as a remind, appreciating that in Buddhism, like other religious spiritual traditions, there, there are uh, numerical collections of teaching points, wisdom points, and uh, certainly the trinity. And Buddhism has various uh, trinities and um, mentioned that uh, uh, using the Pali language, there is the the T Ratana. Uh, T is the, the word for trinity or, or three in Buddhism, like tri in English. T Ratana. Ratana means jewel, so the three jewels, which are the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Also spoken about as the T Sarana. Sarana means uh, refuge, uh, that which is then honored and respected, or that which is taken refuge in. So again, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. That is the, the Buddha, his historical Buddha, and the Dharma, his teachings, spiritual truths, and then Sangha being enlightened people that have realized those spiritual truths, attained full enlightenment. Then there was the trinity of the uh, three characteristics of existence, being anicca, dukkha, anatta, so impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and the the truth of uh, no, no um, static, substantial sense of self. The, the self is a, a fluxing, changing phenomena, so no permanent self. Then, then there was also the trinity of the, the three ills that cause stress and suffering. So greed, anger, and ignorance in various guises that um, uh, inhibit uh, enlightenment, so the enlightened mind is freed from greed, anger, ignorance. And then specifically, we looked at the three practices uh, in Buddhism. So the Buddha's teachings are emphasizing the importance of th three particular practices. So these become a very powerful alliance for developing um, clarity and developing um, uh, enlightenment, peace, ultimate happiness. And so those three, three practices are the practice of morality, and the Buddhist word for that is sila, morality or ethics, wholesome living. Then samadhi, which is uh, generally translated as meditation, but uh, more specifically concentration or, or a coalescence of mind. And then panya, which is the engagement, application, use of wisdom. So sila, samadhi, panya, or morality, meditation, wisdom. And so particularly we, we spoke about those as uh, being an important model or an approach or a way of engaging, connecting into life, and not just in spiritual practice, but I mentioned that um, I was speaking to uh, a client about uh, how to run her business well, and that um, using those three things of the business, having that sense of ethics or morality, and people being on track, focused, attentive, and also engaging wisdom in how they relate to their clients and, and also how they relate to each other. So it becomes a helpful model or template for 
relating, engaging into life, a really helpful business, business approach, modus operandi. So I thought to add to the Trinity and uh, share another Trinity which you're probably aware of through, uh, through my teachings over the while. And um, one that's not, not specifically Buddhist because, uh, well, it is Buddhist in a sense, but it's, it's more general, general application. And um, that's one that I put together that relates to mindfulness. So uh, a Trinity in the context of mindfulness. And this is a trinity of uh, life, life provisions. So the the life provisions of mindfulness as a trinity, <coughs> and and these are something which um, we're all probably engaging, using uh, a lot of the time, and especially um, if you remember me speaking about them before. But they're really helpful to be reminded of as a way of engaging, appreciating, and practicing mindfulness. And obviously, over the last uh, number of years, there's been a lot that has been said about mindfulness, not just two and a half thousand years ago as, a, as an essence practice within the context of Buddhism, the Buddhist teachings, but uh, certainly more recently, the, as in the last decade, decade and a half, the um, appreciation and um, study research application of mindfulness, especially in clinical health settings and then um, moving out into the broader context of mainstream life for, for people, whether it's mindfulness um, in the corporate environment, mindfulness um, uh, in education and schools, mindfulness uh, in terms of child rearing, mindfulness in uh, uh, the sporting arena, and especially appreciating that mindfulness is exercised and developed through the mind gym of meditation. So uh, the mindfulness being like the, in, in physical terms, that the quality of fitness, flexibility, and um, a state of health, but to exercise, enhance that, then that's the, the area of the gym, and that's the, the, the mind gym which meditation is. So the meditation as a direct way of exercising and developing our quality of mindfulness, which then has so much application and benefit. So here the Trinity is, with regards to life provisions or um, elements that relate to life. And if you remember, maybe from the past, that uh, mindfulness is life-giving, mindfulness is life-guiding, and mindfulness is life-guarding. Easy to remember. So uh, just to explain that a bit further then, so mindfulness as uh, life-giving. And there's a couple of ways in which this does, does work. Certainly by being more aware or conscious or mindful, then we become more aware of our experience. And given that uh, life is the ongoing experience of what's happening right here now, life is always only known right here now, how we know we are alive, is not just by thinking it, but by coming to our senses and connecting to our senses and experiencing life through seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching and feeling and some cognizing or thinking as well. So in Buddhist psychology, uh, uh, the sixth sense is that of thought. So we have six senses, five physical ones, and then the mental sense of, of thinking. However, however, 
for a lot of us, a lot of the time, we get caught up in thinking and that gets in the way of really directly seeing or smelling or tasting or touching or feeling and which then limits our experience of life. So whilst thought is important and uh, can be very, very helpful, the right use of thought, which is the second aspect of the eight, eightfold path or the eight practice factors for, for living consciously, as in the the right use of thought uh, at the right time, at the right place, to the right degree, about the right things. So here, if we're able to um, be aware of using mindfulness to come to our senses to more directly, correctly experience life, it becomes more of a rich experiencing. So it's life-giving, not just being caught up in the commentary, the mental commentary and complaints that are going on in our mind about stuff, which may not be the actual fact of, of what is happening. So here, mindfulness helps to um, collect energy, mind-body energy, and then helps to connect that energy to experience. So it can be seen as like a light. Mindfulness, like a light or a torch, um, <coughs> shines on and shows up what is and helps us to see what is as it is beyond just uh, being caught into views and opinions and judgments and, and so forth. And therefore, we feel more fulfilled because we're really seeing and hearing and smelling and tasting and touching and cognizing as well if we need to. And so life becomes more full, more complete. So in this way, yes, mindfulness is, uh, is life-giving. It also gives more life in that um, by being more mindful, then uh, our life may even be extended in terms of longevity. Because um, uh, if we're not mindful, we may also then be, be mindless and even careless, and which may shorten our life. So it can also help to increase longevity. And certainly the quality of our life then is, is um, enhanced by being more connected to ongoing experience. Second element, mindfulness is life-guiding. Uh, so how could mindfulness be life-guiding? Again, if it's like a light, a torch, which uh, shines on and shows up what is, then we're able to guide ourselves through the, the particular avenues or elements or obstacles that uh, life, uh, life does involve. Otherwise, it's like we're wandering in the dark, eyes closed, or maybe the eyes are open, but they're looking at the iPhone, <laughs> bumping into people, <laughs> uh, walking out on roads uh, without, uh, without looking. Uh, not just the iPhone, but the, uh, the other phones as well. But um, certainly uh, mindfulness becomes that quality that helps us to, to be more aware of where we're going, where we are, where we're going and to uh, be able to make better decisions, better choices, life choices. Sometimes I speak to people and they say, oh, if only I was more mindful back then, I would have made different decisions and my life would be so much different, probably so much better. Wouldn't end up with the guy that I'm with. <laughs> that turned out to be a waste of time. <laughs> or she turned out to be really difficult. <laughs> or I would have seen she's gonna turn into a mother. <laughs> But um, so certainly making decisions, uh, asking the right questions and uh, helping us to, to move through life with, with more clarity, more, more ease. 
but even with um, mindfulness as in um, life, uh, life guiding, it, it may be or certainly may seem that uh, we'd like to see light at the end of the tunnel, but sometimes we start upon a particular engagement and we're not going to see light at the end of the tunnel. Doesn't mean that there isn't light at the end of the tunnel, but it's, uh, there's not a direct, direct avenue through to that particular exit out of the tunnel. Doesn't matter. The main thing is that we have our torch with us so that we're aware of where we are and the few steps ahead. Because sometimes it's, it's round bends <laughs> and there's obstacles in our way. The main thing is that we just, we have that, our mindfulness with us to help us to, to uh, find our way. It's a bit like the, um, the Swiss tunnel, the Swiss train tunnel um, analogy that I mentioned. And when I was um, a Buddhist monk in Switzerland living in this high, high mountain valley where the monastery was. And every month I go and teach uh, various meditation groups, um, uh, Zurich, Basel, Geneva. And if the train was going from, from Bern, which was the capital, up to where the monastery was, had to go through this mountain to get up to this high mountain valley area. And the amazing Swiss engineering was that the, the train went in the mountain down the bottom and then did a, went around to loop inside the mountain a couple of times and then came out the top. So it's inclining by going, doing up that loop. And so that sort of tunnel, the train doesn't see directly through. I can see light at the end of the tunnel, but it has a light with it. So it just has light a few meters ahead, a few meters ahead, a few meters ahead, a few meters ahead on the track, on the track. And then finally, finds its way out. And obviously if there's anything on the track in the tunnel, then that, that can be seen. So again, sometimes, sometimes life might feel like we're in a Swiss train tunnel, going around, going around, going around, but the main thing is we've got our light with us. We can see what's on the track. We can see what's in front of us. We can deal with it if, if, it, if we need to. And then we can move our way up and out into the, the broader light that uh, of, of daylight that's, that's happening there so in this way mindfulness is uh, <coughs> is life is life guiding it's it it can be really scary if um if we get going through our life without without our mindfulness and in this way mindfulness helps us to um, um feel that we can trust ourselves. i have my mindfulness it's going to help me to make the decisions that will, I'll need to make at different points in my life. So there's a sense of ease and confidence, relaxing because ah, I'm mindful. When I'm confronted with that particular idea, decision, issue, I'll make the right decision. I'll, I'll know what, what I need to do. Third aspect or third provision is that mindfulness is uh, life guarding. And uh, in this way, it it does, it does guard us. It does guard us uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so um, here by being more conscious, by being more aware, it guards us from thinking unhelpful thoughts, very much in the context of uh, mainstream psychology, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So more mindful of the thoughts that we're having, able to um, not get caught into un unwholesome, unhelpful, unskillful thoughts, engaging more helpful, healthy, helpful, worthwhile, positive thoughts, 
um, certainly helps us to um, uh, be guarded against getting caught into unhealthy mental states. So not just thoughts, but a mental state. And then also into um, uh, not being caught into unhealthy emotions that uh, may cause emotional impulses and, and also the, the biochemicals of unhealthy emotions. Also into unhealthy moods that may remain for some time. Uh, so in this way, it helps us psychologically to, to maintain health and well-being psychologically and then also then even physiologically. Because um, if we're not mindful of um, what we're eating, what we're doing, how we're engaging, that can certainly affect our, our physical health and even physical life. Even to the point where um, it may be said that people that aren't so mindful are more prone to accidents and um, even causing others to have accidents as well. So certainly we need, we need more mindful people to help uh, protect everyone, uh, both themselves and also others, by, by being more, more mindful. And, and again, that um, we can reflect upon that for ourselves. At times we probably, where we may have had an accident, hurt ourselves, probably because we weren't so mindful. So just uh, nearly a year ago, Nearly a year ago, year ago, as you may remember, uh, I had a break from uh, the meditation group, a break from flying down to Sydney, because I had a break. <laughs> I wasn't so mindful. Uh, I tried to pull a log out that was too heavy, which then fell on top of me. I fell back and then broke my ankle and broke my leg. Uh, I wasn't mindful enough. I, well, there was a degree of mindfulness, I was very aware, of, okay, it's a, it's a log, I'll grab it there, I'm pulling it, it's very heavy, it's falling on top of me, I'm feeling myself falling, it feels great. <laughs> Felt great for, for maybe two seconds, and then hitting the ground, lying on these rocks. But um, um, mindfulness also is aided by the Buddhist term uh, sampajanya, so the Buddhist term for mindfulness is sati, and it's often paired with uh, sampajanya, sati sampajanya. And sampajanya means clear comprehension, a clear understanding beyond just mindfully notice something, noticing something, but being more aware of what's going on, the consequences, what's around, what will be the effect of this, and uh, what, to, what to watch out for. And so um, for that occasion, I wasn't, I wasn't fully aware of... Um, having a backup plan if the log was too heavy. But, uh, and if I was more mindful, I would have had a backup plan and maybe wouldn't have got hurt. So mindfulness certainly can help to safeguard and be a lifeguard for us in our life. And even, even guarding against um, uh, confusion or, or distress. Um, simple example might be that um, you, uh, you get somewhere and you think, oh, you know, typical example, did I, did I lock the door? Um, um, and if you know that you, you, I'm actually, I can't quite remember, but I know that I'm mindful and I trust in my mindfulness. So rather than taking 45 minutes to go back home to see if I locked the door, because I probably did, you, can, you trust in your mindfulness that it was guarding you at that time to do what was right and appropriate. Because sometimes, you know, you can't remember exactly sort of on autom or automatic, but mindful automatic, 
It's a bit like uh, yesterday uh, flying down to Sydney, as I do each week, um, um, from the Gold Coast, went to the Virgin Lounge and um, there was a uh, one of the uh, um, attendants <coughs> there asked for my my um, <coughs> my Virgin Velocity frequent flyer uh, card, which they don't usually do. They just scan me in with the from the tick from the ticket. But she said, "Oh, can proof of identity? Can I see your card?" And I so I gave her my card, and then she my my ticket actually, which I had printed off, wasn't working properly. So she printed me a new ticket, and then I went upstairs had a cup of coffee, waited for the time, went downstairs, uh, went to the, the gate, got on the plane, got on the plane and sitting there, and I had a person either side of me and I thought, did she give me back my card? <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, the, the, the seats are quite small, especially um, the row I sit in is row three, which is just behind uh, business class and it's got these these um, um, seat separators that um, the the seats behind have just an armrest, so you can actually there's a bit more room. So these, but row three, they have these seat separators, and you can't really move around much. And I felt I can't suddenly dive into my pocket and pull out my wallet to see if my my card's there. And even if it's not there, there's, I can't do much about it now. But I thought, well, I'm generally fairly mindful. <laughs> except when I fell over. <laughs> and um, I trust that I did have my mindfulness at that time and that, that I would have got my card back and if, if she didn't give it back to me, that I would have noticed that and asked for it at the time. So we flew off. <laughs> and uh, got down to Sydney, got out of the, at the domestic terminal, um, downstairs to get the train to come over here, pull my wallet out, so I had to get my Opal card out to scan through the um, the uh, turnstile thing, and um, I checked, yes, ah, the card is there. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's just small occasions like that, because we may even remember, I have a memory of, of um, locking the door, but then was that memory from this morning or that's a memory from yesterday? Because mm -hmm. you were wearing maybe the same jacket and it was the same door and the same key and the same hand, looked all the same, just a different, different day. So, but if we have a sense of trusting our mindfulness, that guards us from going into distress and, and panic with just small things like that. So appreciating these three, these three provisions of mindfulness, it becomes like a trinity trinity of uh, life provisions for, for looking after us and certainly in terms of uh, them being uh, great support, mindfulness being life-giving, life-guiding, life-guarding and, um, and again not just ourselves because the more we have these, the more we empower these, the more we use these, it also helps other people as well. So the, the, the more present we are, as in my, uh, mindfulness being life-giving and the the more aware we are, aware of where we're going, what we're doing, the more uh, um, um, uh, protecting of ourselves and also protecting of others, then it flows on and that becomes part of our gift to others through being mindful. So many thoughts or considerations around uh, the, this, these particular givens or trinity? <clears throat> I, was think, 
I was thinking that when you were talking about the, that exact incidence of forgetting about the door, uh, that happens to me off and on, and, and I think it's because I wasn't mindful when I was actually locking the door. I was somewhere else. That's right, that's yes, why yes. I, I forget, so, it's mm. the, so therefore I can't trust my mindfulness when I'm away from the situation because I think back I wasn't mindful of what mm. I was doing, and that's mm. why I can't remember. But sometimes, um, sometimes uh, the memory is there, but you just uh, just distort, and it's like <coughs> get retrieving the memory out. Out. It might, might be like even um, a few hours later, you do. Ah, oh, I do remember. Yes, I do. I do remember. But certainly, part of mindfulness is the ability to to remember what has happened. In fact, um, uh, whilst Whilst in English we have this term mindfulness as a translation of the word sati, um, which is the Pali word for mindfulness in the Buddhist language, but um, the the way it's translated in Thai, the Thai language, and which has been using mindfulness in the inner con- Buddhist context for for hundreds of years, or over a thousand years, mindfulness is translated as kwam raluk dai, the ability to remember. So it's a it's a, a reminding, it's a remembering, it's a recollecting. It's it's a uh, because if if we if we are mindful, then we're aware of what we're doing, and therefore we can remember what we're doing because we were present for it. So a collecting a collecting of information and a knowing that has gone on. But appreciating that that stress stress does affect the ability to be mindful, and and also um, energy. If, uh, if one's tired, you may generally be a mindful person and, and have mindfulness. But if you're tired, then, then it's like that light bulb, the light of mindfulness, doesn't have the energy to, to keep the light going. So the light gets a bit dim, starts to flicker, can even go out. And I think that we, as a, as a humanity in the 21st century, find it even more challenging because life is is led at a faster pace. There's more, more things to have to be aware of. Life is more complex. Uh, uh, life can also become more confusing. And, uh, and so certain quite mundane things don't gain so much priority. Maybe the, something that's more important, what's going to be happening next as opposed to what's happening now. And hence the, the importance for mindfulness to help us to accommodate and deal with the increasing um, speed and uh, flux and change and complexity of our life. It it's becomes that which, which we need. Uh, otherwise, uh, we, we won't cope. And, and this is where we obviously can enhance the neural functioning of our brain to become more mindful to be able to accommodate the, uh, the increasing things that we need to accommodate for, for regular life, for regular people. Otherwise, stress, distress, and burnout occur. The, uh, the slower and more simple uh, life is, then it's, it's a lot more easier to be mindful. Which is why a monastic life is set up to facilitate uh, it being a aid to, to practice, an aid to psychological, psycho-spiritual development. Less complexity. So obviously, uh, again, to uh, check in and see how we're using mindfulness and to um, emphasize the importance of it for ourselves.
with regards to those three elements. And um, um, part of uh, the engagement of mindfulness is, is appreciating it, its worth. The more we appreciate it and uh, know its worth, then we're more likely to use it. And so the little uh, way of um, remembering mindfulness is life-giving, life-guiding, and life-guarding. So something quite worthwhile for us. So think about that for some time, use it, and um, um, I was thinking maybe for the next few weeks to continue on this numerical theme and maybe move into the groups of four with regards to the, the Buddhist wisdom teachings. So we'll have a look at um, various uh, groups of four, which are certainly displayed around the room in the, uh, the Buddhist posters. So it's quite a number of important four four teachings that uh, can be emphasized. So we'll have a look at those uh, over the, uh, the next few weeks. Do have a, a mindful uh, week and see you next time. That's all for this episode. Until next time, head over to wellawareness.com.au and discover what's on offer for relieving stress and creating well-being. From individual counseling to relationship counseling to meditation groups, and weekend retreats.